offering. Amen. Brother Shepherd, could you help me, sir? Amen. Lord, I praise you again this morning, Lord, and ask you to bless this offering, Lord. Bless the givers in every place. We truly appreciate all you do for this house, oh God. We thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. We thank you for your people, Lord, and all they give to the glory and the edifying and the building up of your kingdom. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open I want to see you, see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, start with verses 18 through 22, and then Mark chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren... Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother cast in a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, men in their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Mark chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, he surnamed them Boganeses, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. Amen. And so I want to talk to us this a lesson about the calling of the disciples, the calling of the disciples. Just like he did over 2,000 years ago, the Lord continues to call people into service for the kingdom of God. As he reached down into the everyday lives of 12 rather ordinary men from ancient Israel and summons them to follow him unconditionally, his calling still seeks out those who are willing to lay down their worldly pursuits and ambitions and focus on the kingdom matters. By examining the biblical accounts of the calling of the original twelve apostles, we can better understand the nature of God's calling in our own lives. Amen. And so that's what I want to talk to us a little bit about today is this calling. 
Amen. If someone were to ask you what is a calling, what would you tell them? If someone were to ask you what is a calling, what would you tell them? Anybody? Brother the Moot? Anybody else? Okay. What is a calling? Okay. Okay. All right. So we got two examples here where God speaks to your heart, the classroom of the teacher, you know, and that's what a profession is, is really you know, a calling is a, is a perfection, is a vocation. You see those two words a lot of times throughout scriptures. And we are called to live up to that calling. When God calls us, he has a purpose for our lives. Amen. Paul, right into the church at Ephesus in the fourth chapter, he says that you might walk worthy of the vocation whereunto you are called, or you're calling. Amen. We are called by God for a purpose. He did just not call you for you to do nothing. You have been called into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. To labor, to work. Amen. To do the things that God is desiring of us to, to do so that he can accomplish his purpose through us. Amen. If you look at First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, you are called unto eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we must profess this profession. It must be a part of our daily life and our daily living. The apostles, when they were called by Jesus Christ, if you notice, they were just ordinary men, just like you and I. They had a profession. They were fishermen. They were carpenters. Whatever. They were tax collectors. That was what they was chosen, had chosen to do. And as a result of this, Jesus did not try to change their profession they was already doing. He just says, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I will teach you how to do something totally different for a better purpose and for the kingdom of God without changing really what you're already doing. A lot of times we think that when we receive a call, a lot of times we have to stop doing what we're doing already in order to accept that call. Well, it might need some tweaking is all it needs to be, be done. Because you're already working a job. You're already familiar with the job. You're already familiar with the people that are in that job that has the same profession as you do. And so as a result, you just have to learn the techniques and the trade of how to be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people that is already working together the fear factor and the apprehensions is down because you've already been talking to people. 
Amen. And so as a result of that, some of your friends are already in that profession, amen, before you ever get saved. And so and as a result, it, it affords you that opportunity to be able to turn around and to reach others with the same gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first we look at here is the appeal. Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. He relates to them by identifying their names in the scriptures. Notice Andrew, Peter, James, John. You know, the sons of, you know, of, of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, he calls them. You know, their zeal, they had, apparently James and John had some zeal, and, and, and the Lord realized I can use that zeal. If you notice also, what was Peter and Andrew doing? What were they doing? They was fishing, they was casting their nets. What was James and John doing? Mending their nets. Okay, sometimes you've got to fix what is going on so you don't lose what you're trying to do. See, other times, if you notice when you study Peter's gospel and Peter's actions, he's always casting the vision. That's why on the day of Pentecost, he has the keys of the kingdom. Amen. And what does he do? He immediately casts the vision. Because Jesus had already told him that repentance and remission of sins must be preached in my name against all nations beginning at Jerusalem. But you notice none of this transpire before they are not already trained. They've got to be trained first. They have to have an understanding first of what they're doing. That's why Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, there was no really lesson plan that he had to them. He just says, follow me. Okay, listen to what I'm doing. See what I'm doing. Imitate what you see me doing, and it will work. In other words, they was going to get what we call OJT. You're going to get on-the-job training, amen, when you follow me, and I'm going to show you how to do it. And, and, and that's what they got for three and basically half years was on-the-job training. They had to leave from where they were and accept that calling. That's why, if you notice, people that do riots and all that stuff, what are they doing? They're calling people. They're, they're giving them a reason to follow them, and they says, come on, we're going to go and we're going to do this. And people follow them. You know, it was no different with the civil rights movement. You know, they says, okay, we're going to do this. Come on, follow us. And as a result, it was a calling basically to come on, let's go make a difference. And that's what Jesus is saying to the apostles. Come on, follow me, let's make a difference. You're already doing this. Let me show you how to turn it a little bit so you can do this. So they got three years of on-the-job training. Say the highest calling you can ever receive in the, is the ministry. Because God is the highest and nobody can call you higher than God. So the highest calling one can receive is the calling to the ministry. That's why when you look at Paul's life, he says, I thank my God that he found me worthy and put me in the ministry. Say, and so the apostles here, amen, they was called by Jesus to follow him. And so as they began to follow him, 
they began to see things that he was doing. They had questions, if you notice. You know, they would ask him, why did this happen? Or why did you say that? Or why did you do that? And he would explain to them, you know, because so that they would know what they need to have under their belt so when it's time to go out. But as I said earlier, when you look at Peter's teaching on the day of Pentecost, amen, as soon as they are filled with the Holy Ghost, because Jesus had told them the repentance and remission of sins must be preached in my name at Jerusalem, beginning at Jerusalem among all nations, that's why you see Peter's first thing, he's cast the vision. He throws the net, you know. And what did he do the first day when he threw the net? How many fish did he catch? He didn't catch any? Huh? When he threw the net in Acts 2, he didn't catch any fish? How many did he pull in? <laughs> 3,000. <000. laughs> See, he cast the vision. He cast that net out there, you know. When they say, you know, when they was filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, and they spilled out into the street, and Peter began to preach Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, they that heard the word was pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far, even as many as the Lord of God shall call. Three thousand, amen, They poured in that net. See, he had already and saw Jesus when Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side. They had already been trained in the value and the importance of keeping your nets mended. Because when Jesus told him to go out, he went out with one net. He didn't believe. And as a result, what happened? The net broke. See? So as a result, it teaches you the value of keep mending. To keep mending things. Amen. In your life. Keep mending the thing. That's why you got to constantly study the Word of God. That's mending. That's why when you look at John's Gospels, John is no, all he's doing is mending. He's fixing things up. He's bringing the pieces together. That's what he was doing when Peter called him. He was mending the nets with his father's net with his brother's James. And as a result, later on you see James is killed and now John and the beloved, amen, when you look at his epistles there, and what he's doing is he's mending. John's gospel is written by some say somewhere about 85 to 100 A.D. After Jesus is dead and gone, the other apostles is, is gone. And, and as a result, he feels the need to mend things up. That's why he says in John 20, 30, 31, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe and you might have eternal life. He's mending the things up here. Amen. So we begin to see here that, and number two on your paper, that he relates to them by their identity and their business. They were fishers. Amen. And so when you're called, you, you're, you're, what, what is your profession? That's why a lot of times we ask people, what do you do? What do you do? What, what kind of job do you have? What work are you doing? Because it's easy if you know what someone do, how to apply the gospel to that individual's life. How does it relate? How can you take what you do and relate 
to the calling that God is calling you to. When God called me, what was I doing? I was a soldier. And what did I do? I turned right around and started reaching soldiers. I understood from the word of God and what I had been taught and what I had been trained, how to turn around and apply the same principles and the concepts to reach the lost. See? The profession that I was called to, God used it for the same purpose. See? That's why when you look at Cornelius in Acts 10, when God fills in with the Holy Ghost, he knew that soldiers go places that other people can't do. Go. See? And so as a result, he was able to relate to them and what they did. If you look at Matthew. What was Matthew? Tax collector. You know, you think you need people to know how to balance books and, and stuff, you know, in the IRS, <laughs> in the church, you know. He could, they, they, apparently they had good skills to be able to tax and to know how the procedures worked, that the Romans wanted to work. Amen. And so that would be something that would later on be used. Amen. As the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here what they are was fishermen. See? And he says, okay, you're catching fish, but I'm going to teach you how to catch men. See? I'm going to teach you how to catch men. And so he gives them the command to follow me. Follow me. No orientation. No seminars. No consultation. Just command follow. Come on. Do you accept the call? Are you willing to accept the call? You know, and that's the that's the key is you have to be able to accept Jesus' call to you to be able to come. Say, you know, if you stop and think about it, they were leaving their families, they was leaving their home. You know, they were going to do something totally different than what they had did before. Amen. So here it is, is OJT. They was going to get some training school of hard knocks. <laughs> you know, they were going to learn some things of wisdom by their experience. This is why Paul right into the church at, at Roman, the fifth chapter, he says, tribulations will work patience. Patience will give us experience. Experience will give us hope. And hope will make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Say, so he gives them the command, follow me, follow me. Paul says in First Corinthians, he says, you follow me as I follow Christ. Say, so once you receive the call, then you have to go. Come. Did you receive the call? What is God calling you to do? What is he asking of you to do? So you may go through some hard knocks during this call and period. The first thing under the call is submission. Submission. Submission is no more than really a form of humility. It's coming under those that are over you. It's it's doing what is asked of you. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5, you want to go there real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5. 
1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, be subject, submit yourselves unto the elders, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you and do time. Notice he says, submit yourselves one to the other, and be subject one to another. The word subject there also means to be submissive. See, so when God calls us, he wants us to submit because we have to learn. We have to have the mindset to be ready to learn. If you're not a submissive person, you're never going to learn. You will never learn what God wants you to learn. That's why when he called them, they had to submit to what he was calling them to do. There was, as I said, there was no script. There was no instructions, papers to hand them, go home, study this, fill this out, come back. They was going to get OJT training, and as a result of receiving the training that he was going to give them to accomplish the purpose that he was going to accomplish through them, they had to be submissive. Amen. They had to come under the authority of those that was over them. Who was over them? Jesus Christ. God manifested in flesh. He was going to show them. He was going to teach them. It would be a whole new concept because you're going to bring 12 people together from different professions, but you're going to teach them all the same principles and knowledge and understanding so that all of them will be able to use their own profession to get done what you want to do. And so as a result, they submit it. They submit it to him. They immediately, amen, jumped out of those boats and they began to follow him. So we must be subject one to another. We learn from one another. Amen. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself for they what? Watch for your soul. Amen. Peter goes on, uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and, uh, you know, and took of him, what? The form of a servant. And being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself. See, humility is a key of learning. Just like submission. They're both, they go together. If you're not a humble person, if you're not a submissive person, you'll never learn. You've got to submit to them that are over you. And so this is what God is, is, is asking them to do. He's asking every one of us, when he calls us, is to submit to him. See, if we will not submit to him, we will not submit to anyone else. If we won't submit to those over us, we won't submit to God. See, it's an attitude check. It's a character thing. See, not only is God building them, if you notice, in their calling, not only is he building them for the great commission and what he's getting ready to do to them, he's building their character as well. See, he's seeing if they're going to submit and do. Because later on you will find that the calling is really a life transitioning thing. Is all about forever. 
is not, I'll do it today and I'm done. You know, I'll do it two, three years and I'm done. No, the calling is forever. One writer said there's no discharge in this war. <laughs> you know, so it's a continual thing. So they had to submit, submit to one another. Notice what Peter says. Submit what? To one another. Why? Because you're on the same team. Say, you have to look out for one another. You have to encourage one another. You have to be, have enough intestine afforded to, to tell her when she's wrong. Tell him when he's wrong. That's why when you look at Galatians 2, when Paul comes on the scene, and Paul is called to be the apostle to the Gentiles, what does he say? When Peter acted up, he says, I withstood him to his face. Because he was what? He was to be blamed. You know, because if you have the same thing that I have, there is no reason that you don't hold fast to the teachings that we've all received. See? So look at Galatians 2, as, as Paul says here. Galatians chapter 2, when, real quick, real fast, I get there. Let's start... Uh, Verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul says, I was stood him to his face because he was to be blamed for before that certain came from James or from the higher church, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, which were of the circumcision, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, and so much that even Barnabas, the son of consolation, also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If thou be a Jew, livest after the matter of a Gentile, and not to do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Amen. Notice, so he withstood him to his Amen. See, because that is being submissive one to another. That is being subject one to another. So if I see you wrong, I am supposed to correct you. I am supposed to show you your error in love. We present the gospel in love and in truth. See, because we are called for the same purpose. That's why Jude says in Jude verse 3, he says, Beloved, it was needful for me to write to you and to exalt you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once, what? Delivered to the saints. They all had the same thing. They all had one teacher, Jesus Christ. That's why when you look at the Gospel of Matthew and what we call the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes is more than just the fifth chapter of Matthew. It goes all the way to the seventh and eighth chapter. And as a result, that is all part of their training. If you notice, when Jesus calls them, he starts to immediately to train them. Amen. And so, and as a result, they began to learn the things that they were to do, and they began to ask the questions. So we must submit ourselves to the Lord and to those that are over us, because they watch for our soul. So part of our calling, if I don't submit, 
then I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to learn. See? And so we have to. Number two, separation. Separation. Notice here, amen, they was asked to separate. Come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord. And touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you to myself, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfect holiness in the sight uh, of God. So they had to separate. This call of this command says, okay, you need to separate. You know, when I was, I go back to myself, when I was in the military, you know, here I was, I, I had this mindset that I was going to just stay forever, you know. But after much training, after God kept training me, after God, those over me kept instructing and training me, finally I realized I had to separate to fulfill the calling, See? I had to move from that piece of the puzzle to a different pathway, not changing who I was. Uh, I'm always going to be a soldier, say, just taking my skills and, and skill sets that I had learned here and now bringing them here, say, to do the same thing. Why? Because it's a spiritual warfare. I'm fighting natural here. I'm fighting spiritual here. Same principles, same concept. You know, put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the wickedness in high places, right? So I take the same skill sets to bring them here now to be able to use to what? Train God's soldiers for the mission of seek and to save that which is lost. See? It's the same principles. But I had to separate from here to here. See? It is, is a calling requires you to separate a lot of times from, from worldly ways. See? You've got to come out. See? You can't keep staying in the world acting like the world and being like the world and be called of God. See, it, you have to separate. You've got to come out from among them. See, because God has a higher calling and a higher purpose for you. So they had to separate themselves. That's why when you look at Peter in the book of Luke, they began when Jesus says, except, you know, you hate mother, father, sister, brother, you know, and, and all, mother-in-law and all these for, for my sake. You know, what did they say? Well, we'd left all. And Jesus says, no, you really haven't left all. I'm paraphrasing here. But you're going to get more in this life. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and not only that, eternity. See? So separation. If I set the call, I have to separate. That's why Paul says, I thank God when he called me to separate me from my mother's womb. You know, he's talking about the church. He was talking about the church that he was a part of. So he had to be separated from wrong ways. See, to receive the call, 
of God, you've got to separate from wrong ways. You can't stay in false doctrine. You can't stay in the wrong things you were doing and fulfill your call in God. See? So it requires a separation. Sometimes it requires you to separate from those you love, your friends. You know, sometimes those people that you had as friends, you know, you have to separate from them to receive your call. Think about all the guys that was probably working with the apostles. Think about, you know, uh, when they was fishermen or, or that was working with, with Matthew and, and, and those guys that was tax collectors. They had to separate from those guys in order to receive that call. So the calling requires us to separate. Amen. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. So he gives them a command. And then he gives them a promise. I will make you. What would you, God, you like for God to make you to be? What would you like for him to make you to be? I will make you. Amen. God says, I will transform you so you can transform. Think about it. Transform to transform. See, he transformed us so that we can transform others. See, when he brings us, calls us, he teaches us, he shows us, and now we're to turn right around and go back. See, that's what he did to the apostles. He called them, he trained them, he taught them, and turned them right back around and sent them back to transform and change others. Freely you've received, freely give. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. I will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They drink any deadly thing. They shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Amen. So I will make you. I will change you. I will make you something that you did not think that you could be. Uh, is what God desired. And he says, I will make you. The promise was, I will make you fishers of men. Amen. And so as a result, you have to ask yourself, how many men have I caught? How many men have you caught? <laughs> Are you using the right bait? Are you using the right net? Say, what is my strategy? What, what am I learning to do? Am I content in my calling? Say, all these things. If I'm going to catch men, I'm going to have to learn the principles of how to catch men. Amen. When you stop and think about when God called Abraham, Abraham had to separate. You remember? He says, leave home and what? I'll bless you. Abraham had to leave home in order for him to be blessed. Now, if God calls us and says, I'm going to bless you, are you going to leave? If God says go to Ten Buck Two, would you go to Ten Buck Two, uh, wherever that is, <laughs> Africa? <laughs> you know, would would you be willing to go? See, the calling of disciples, Amen, requires to be submissive 
It requires you to accept the command. It requires you to separate yourself. Because when God calls you, he always gives you a promise. Say, he always gives you a promise. Abraham, you leave home and I'll bless you. Uh, and I'll make you a, a, a what? A great nation. See, you're going to always get more when you accept this call. See, you're going to always get a whole lot more than what you bargained for when you when you accept the call that God has given you. You know, he said, now can you imagine being the apostles and he says, okay, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What? What does that mean? Yeah. What in the world are you talking about? Fishers of men. Did it dawn into their mind, well, let's go see. You know, what is he talking about? What is he, what is he referring to? And they left. You know, it was something new. Maybe they was tired of throwing the nets and, you know, up in the morning, late at night. You know, but it was something that got into their hearts. And as a result of this, they was willing to separate themselves. They was willing to submit themselves for the promise that he was giving them, that he would make them fishers of men. And as a result of that, they began to separate themselves and to leave. You know, there's a young man that's going to be preaching. The youth, I think, is either the winter youth this year. You might have heard him last year at uh, NYC in, uh, in in Annapolis. Victor Jackson, you know, he was a kid, you know, super basketball star. On his way to the NBA. Nothing was stopping him from going to the NBA. I mean, the kid could deal with the basketball, you know. But God called him. And now you stop and think about that. You know, God called him. Another young man that's going to be preaching here as well was the one that, uh, that, uh, witnessed to him and, 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 and got him baptized and everything else. But you stop and think about that. Here's a kid on the verge, getting ready to graduate, to go to the NBA, making Millions and millions of dollars. God calls him to the ministry. And he goes to his coach and says, I'm quitting. God has called me to the ministry. Can you imagine? He separated himself for the kingdom. Wow. Wow. The calling is so much more. Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, the promises of God are so much more than a dollar. Uh, There's so much more. You know, and and I'm sure when when Brother Jackson ministers, he he'll probably tell his story. I I mean, is is there's so many men that I know like that that has given up their worldly profession or their worldly ambitions and desires for the kingdom of God. You know, I, I tell you, I I I had 
high expirations for the military. Oh, I, you know, by all accounts, I was on track. You know, I was moving right up the ladder. You know, I was interviewing for higher positions. You know, so I, I was going up. I was, I was going. And when God spoke to me and says, why are you still doing what you're doing? And I says, Lord, are you telling me it's time to get out of the military? And it was that peace that passed all understanding. Yeah. You just let it go. You know, just let it go for the calling of God. And to see what he will do. Amen. And as, because his promises are always yea. And they are always amen. Amen. Sometimes in radical leader discipleships, you know, it requires, you know, placing stuff behind you sometime for the kingdom of God. I don't know what God is going to do, you know, with any of us. You know, those disciples, they probably never thought you know, can you imagine being John on the Isles of Patmos and you're getting all these visions of, of the glory of God and here's your name on the foundation, <laughs> you know, with your other counterparts, Peter, Andrew, James, John, the 12 foundations, you're seeing your name on the foundation of the new Jerusalem, you know. Think about what will will be there. Amen. The promises of God. Because you became fishers of men. Say, that's the overall call in the in this thing is to go and reach the loss for the kingdom. Amen. Passion moved them. They immediately the Bible says straightway they left everything and followed him. Immediately to follow him. There was a passion that got a hold of them. There was something that they realized, I want to be a part of this. That's the key, amen, to all of us. We have, must have a passion for the things of God to say, man, I want to be a part of this. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see what God is doing. That's why a lot of times I say to people sometimes, boy, I just wish you could go to a missions trip sometime. I think if every American sometime could go to a missions field and observe, I think it would make a major impact. In, in their lives to, to see some of the other people and what God is doing through them. Amen. And, and how God is working and how God wants to work through you and I. That's why he calls us. Amen. Because this passion that he has, we must, he wants us to have the same passion. That's why the Bible says when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep. Without a shepherd. Every one of us today should have a zeal for the call of God. Because we can open our eyes and see there's many without an understanding of God. Amen. Stop and think about it. They say now 40% of America say they're nuns. I don't mean Catholic nuns. (laughs) I'm saying they're saying they're nuns. They don't believe nothing. 40% of Americans. More than atheists say they don't believe anything. And he's called you and I 
to reach them with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we got to have this passion in us to seek and to save that was lost. That was his mission. So the choice is we got to be prepared. You notice he taught them how to pray. Before Jesus chose his 12 or his inner circle, he went into the mountain and he prayed. Uh, we need to pray. We need to pray. God, what would you have me to do? Amen. It's important that we uh, choose correctly our profession and our calling of God because we're to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to represent him in everything that we do from our preaching to our teaching to our healings to our casting out demons and, and whatever, amen, that he's calling us to do. Because this great commission, amen, is so, so, so very important. Amen. And if America go to hell, it's going to be the church's fault. Because he pulled us out. To help bring them in. So, my beloved, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Sharing the word of God. He's called us for a higher purpose. Amen. We don't know how many days we have, but let's use it for the right purpose. Amen. To reach the loss of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Let's take a 10-minute break, amen.